Hello again, witches, seekers, and friends, and welcome to the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, the show where we do a little ranting, raving, and wand waving. I'm your host, Paige, and together we are going to explore magic and spirituality, social justice, the psychic realm, and most importantly, our weird sexual fantasies. <laughs> Hello again, friends. Happy Valentine's Day. And thank you for tuning in to episode 41 of the Fat Feminist Witch. And we are talking all about sextrology with three X's because I am apparently a child. <laughs> My sense of humor is anyways. Today I am talking about some of the fun and sexy signs in our birth in our birth charts, our houses of sex and romance, and using astrology to highlight some of our most alluring qualities so that we can attract the kind of relationships or sexuality that we're looking for. I'm also going to be like raving about the book Sextrology by Starsky and Cox. They only spell it with one X, by the way, which is affectionately referred to as the Bible by many astrology fans. Uh, before we get started, I have a few little disclaimers for today's show. The first being that I am going to be talking about sex and sexuality today. So I understand if you're not comfortable with that topic, or maybe you don't have sex, so it doesn't seem applicable. That's cool. If you feel like you got to skip it, that's okay. I will say, though, that I'm not really only talking about the physical act of intercourse when I say sex. I'm barely talking about that at all. I'm also not specifically talking about sexuality that needs to be practiced with a partner. It can be all solo. It can be love and sexuality that you, you know, turn inward on yourself. So we're not just looking at like, you know, your crushes or your boyfriend or your girlfriend's birth chart. We're looking at our own charts so that we can be more familiar with what we want and need from sex or love or romance or relationships, friendships, family to be our happiest and our most fulfilled. So if that sounds like it applies to you, I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, secondly, I would just like to make it clear, <laughs> just in case I never made it clear before, um, I am a cisgender heterosexual woman, and I am mostly fairly traditionally feminine presenting, I guess. Uh, I can't really give you a queer perspective on love and sex astrology. But if you know of or are an astrology who specializes in something like that, and you want a platform to talk about it, hit me up. Like, I'm willing to bring you on the show and do basically this entire episode, but from the queer perspective. Awesome idea. Uh, the book I'm talking about today, Sextrology, Sextrology, it does really stick to the gender binary. A lot of people asked me, and I, I didn't reply before because uh, I knew I was going to mention it in the episode. So each sign in the book is separated uh, into basically two chapters, man and woman. So like Aries man and Aries woman. And then within each, you know, man and woman subheading, it talks about same sex and opposite sex relationships. It also talks about uh, some of the feelings of sexuality. It talks about signs that are, I guess, more likely to be bisexual or more likely to be interested in having multiple partners. And it mentions biology some of the times. Um, and it just, it does talk about gender and sexuality in very open terms. But again, I am a heterosexual woman. Uh, there might be stuff missing that I'm not able to see. I personally, when I was reading my section, because it's, it's separated by sun sign, I'm a Capricorn. I read both the Capricorn woman and man sections just because, I mean, I don't think... 
I don't think it's really possible for anybody to present 100% solely as a single gender and have like no other traits. You know what I mean? Like it's all so weird and subjective and individual. And I know that gender isn't just, you know, two sides anyways. So, you know, there's already that. And then a lot of traits that are often considered masculine are just assertive or powerful or logical. And those traits are definitely not exclusive to someone who is a man, who identifies as a man. It just, it applies to everybody who has those traits. So, <laughs> so I read both sections and I definitely feel like reading the other section filled in a few things that uh, I didn't find in the section for Capricorn women. And it must be because there's some things that I do in a way that's more popular with men, which is not very surprising because my friends kind of make fun of me. My, my girlfriends, they all make fun of me because <laughs> they always make fun of me for taking them on dates. <laughs> I take them on very romantic dates and the kind of dates that they wish like their husband or their, their partner would take them on. And we laugh about it, but it's like, it's so true. I'm totally willing to like get in your car and go to that cute restaurant you like in that cute little historical county town. And then we can go to the lake and watch the sunset from the shore. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on more horse-drawn carriage rides with women than any man ever has. Uh, I just like, I really like to plan events and dates and I really like to be considerate and think of other people and, you know, make people smile by showing that I thought about them. And I also really like, um, I don't know, whenever I mention to other straight women, like that I have a few little things I do, like I have my own little ritual for seduction when I have a date over. And they're like, what do you mean you like do stuff? <laughs> I just kind of have to show up. And when I describe the same thing to men, they're like, uh, straight men, they're like, oh yeah, that's what I do when I have a girl over. And it's just, it's not even like, it's not even cute. I'm the worst. I have like a record player. <laughs> I break out like Al Green records and I have cheesy mood lighting and like dimmer switches. It's just so dumb. Um, but I, I love cheesy old aesthetic stuff, right? And all of that stuff comes up in the Capricorn man section in a way that it didn't in the Capricorn woman section. And I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how great it is at dealing with people who live more outside of the gender binary. Um, but I knew, I do know that it does provide quite the spectrum of experiences and it's very non-judgmental. I was also very impressed with the like sexual vocabulary, I guess, of the book. <laughs> um, it's, I had to look some words up, which was disturbing, but great. Uh, and also they, they make a lot of really smart literary references that are really, really good. It's just, it's interesting. So, uh, so if you asked on Facebook or Instagram about the book and how it handles gender and the binary, I hope that answers your question. Okay. So let's move on to some of the fun stuff about this. So if you ever use internet dating apps, or if like me, you obsessively follow Annabelle Gatt over at Broadly, you might have seen that the dating app Bumble has a new feature that allows you to filter people by zodiac sign. So when you're looking through, if you don't have the filter set, there's people from all zodiac signs. But you can select one or a couple 
and uh, the signs that you think you like the best. And uh, that sounds great, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound great? You can just filter that out. You can pick multiple, so it's not like you're only picking one. But maybe that's not such a good idea. <laughs> so Gad posted a whole article about why this could be a really bad idea, especially for those who are, you know, kind of observers of astrology rather than professional astrologers. Uh, and she offered advice for better ways to narrow down prospects using astrology, like looking at their moon sign or seeing where their planets and signs fall into the different places of their chart. It's really great advice. And I'm going to link to the article in the description of the podcast here because she can explain it uh, way better than I can. But we're going to expand on this idea in a way for us who are kind of new to astrology. So your sun sign or your main zodiac sign is a great like summary of the story of you. <laughs> But of course, in any story, if all you read is the summary, you're missing out on a lot of stuff. You're missing nuance and detail and character development and backstory. You're just missing so much. Likewise, when you only look at your sun sign or the sun sign of a potential partner, you miss a lot of those really interesting details that explain who you or they are. If you read a standard article on astrological compatibility, you'll usually read that you should stick with someone in your elemental group of your sun sign. So if you're in Aries, you go for other Aries or Leo or Sagittarius, which are the fire signs. But this is so limited. I actually like compiled a list, <laughs> a couple lists actually of people I dated and was in a relationship with, uh, people I just had a crush on, celebrities or historical figures that I thought were super hot. And, um, I even put men that I have a like platonic friendship relationship. And <laughs> as a Capricorn, I've read over and over that I'm most compatible with my fellow earth signs, you know, the Capricorns, the Virgo and the Sagittarius. And when I'm actually looking at my list, my lists, there are like almost no earth signs at all. <laughs> The only Virgo man I've ever even like liked a little is my dad. And <laughs> this is, of course, because not everyone in each individual sign is exactly the same. Every single Capricorn isn't just like me. And also because not everyone actually wants to be matched up with someone who's easy, where it's always going to be smooth, where you're going to get along instantly and they already know everything you know and they already like to do the stuff you do. And I don't like that. I, I, that sounds kind of boring. And <laughs> I can see the appeal for sure, but it also sounds kind of boring. I often find myself attracted to people who are very different from me. And that's usually a big part of what I actually like about them. So let's forget about the sun sign for a minute because that's very limited. And instead, we can look at some of the deeper signs and outer planets and placements and asteroids that can show you what kind of person or relationship or sexual experience that you're attracted to. We all have all of the planets in our charts and those planets are in signs and in houses. For example, you have uh, Aries in or whatever. Okay, I messed, I already messed up. So you have Mars in Aries, 
in the first house, for example. And depending on how you look at it and read it, almost everything in your chart can give you some insight into your relationships. But some signs and planets are just a little less subtle about it. <laughs> and they're more obvious about their more loving or lusty qualities. It's fun stuff. This is a fun episode, so I want you to have fun. So let's start with the planets of Venus and Mars. Pretty good place to start, right? You know the old, hilarious old book, uh, Women Are From Venus and Men Are From Mars. Um, Venus and Mars are named after the goddess of love and beauty and the god of war. Where Venus appears in our chart can tell us the kinds of things that we value, uh, aesthetics and looks that we're attracted to, our feelings about beauty, and what kind of relationship that we want. Mars, on the other hand, is more of like a tough action planet, and it's really, it's really lumped in with things like lust and physical pursuits and athleticism and passion because it's very fiery. Where Mars appears can tell you what you or a partner, if you're looking at someone else's chart, are probably most attracted to when it comes to sex or lust, the, the pure physical stuff. It also highlights your passion and how you express passion. So it can also say a little bit about anything, how you blow off steam, how you react to anger. Um, Mars can be kind of a, a scary sign because wars, of course. <laughs> you know, there's always... I don't want to say there's an upside to war, but there's definitely multiple sides to war. So let's say that your Venus, your planet of Venus, is located in the sign of Taurus, which is actually a sign ruled by Venus, by the way. Not only are love and other Venusian pursuits probably going to be something you're most interested in, but Taurus is a sign that loves like comfort and luxury and the good things in life. Taurus people are indulgent and it's just so wonderful. Um, they like, like kind of classic lazy seduction stuff. So lying on the chaise lounge, eating grapes and drinking wine while a couple of like really sexy creatures fan you with palm leaves. I respect it. That's total, the total Taurus seduction package. Uh, Taurus is also associated with the throat. So if you have your, um, Venus in Taurus, you probably enjoy whispering sweet nothings or having someone whisper or talk into your ear, being serenaded, uh, Taurians love music, um, and hearing words and sounds of pleasure from a partner. So you don't really like people that are super quiet. <laughs> By the way, if any of this sounds really real, you can totally let me know. <laughs> um, so let's look at a, a Mars sign and one that's not quite so lined up elementally, right? So, um, Taurus is ruled by the sign or by the planet of Venus or other way around. <laughs> Taurus and Venus are already connected. But what if you have, say, Mars in an air sign like Gemini? Gemini is a very intellectual and chatty sign. Not very physical, right? It's more, <laughs> it's more chatty. It's more intellectual. And the best way to seduce someone with a Gemini Mars is through their brain, their mind. More specifically, please don't eat their brain. They love mind games. They might be some drama queens. <laughs> uh, they might tell tall tales and stories, but mostly they're fun. If you have your Mars and Gemini, you probably need some intellectual stimulation to really get in the mood. Uh, and you might feel like you need an intellectual connection with someone to want to be around them enough to have sex. Uh, you might even get bored easily. You're 
probably probably pretty smart. I can just guess, I guess. Uh, but you probably get bored easily even with sex. Geminis like to do it all, right? So if your Mars is in Gemini, you might always be into doing the next big thing in sex or anything you're interested in. But with sex, you know, you're trying out the newest toys that come out on the market, or you heard about some crazy position through the grapevine somewhere and you just had to try it out, or you like introducing partners to something that is new to them, or you always just like to be evolving in the bedroom there. That is a more Martian Gemini. So <laughs> it's not necessarily quite as physical as you imagine your Mars to be, but it has much more physical attributes. Cool, right? So the next planet that you can look at in your chart is not actually a planet, of course, but it is our moon. The moon sign indicates your inner self. So our inner thoughts and feelings and the things that make us feel kind of snugly and safe. <laughs> it's the sign that feels like home. In her article, Annabelle Gatt suggests finding someone whose sun sign is the same as your moon sign. As this already denotes a bit of an emotional connection and their outward personality will reflect the things that make you feel comfortable and safe or that you feel very emotionally about. So for example, my moon is in Libra. And while I was looking over my list of, you know, dudes and dates and all of that, next to whatever, next to their name and their sign, I, I just put a little notation, like, what do I remember most? And with the Libras, all the notations are that they always make me feel the most comfortable. Almost all of my platonic male friends are Libras. <laughs> I love them. They're just, they're really chill guys. They never scare me. They never make me feel like we're in competition. They're rarely very macho. Um, they're very... I don't know. They're just very easy to get along with. I feel like I don't have to talk as much too, because they'll talk enough. I can just like sit and listen or I can enjoy their story. I can laugh. I almost never feel relaxed around dudes I haven't known a very long time. But Libra seems to be the exception there. And considering it's a sign of balance and diplomacy, I'm not really surprised about all that stuff. But it it is an interesting correlation that I found. But let's say your mood is in a little bit more of a wacky sign, something aggressive like Aries, which is, again, a very Martian, a very Martian sign. So even if you personally are a chill, go with the flow type, like you might have a sun sign and something really dreamy like Pisces, you might really love a passionate and confident person who is like, just fiery and no nonsense. You might be the person who, you know, loves a man or woman, man or woman in uniform. You might like really serious athletes, uh, someone that works out a lot and has big muscles and kind of takes pride in that kind of stuff. So you might be attracted to someone who is your polar opposite, but for whatever reason, they make you feel safe or comfortable or loving and luxurious. So between these three signs alone, you can start to form kind of a picture of the kind of people or experiences or relationships that you or someone else are interested in. So you can get this information from your own chart about you, or you can get this from someone else's chart to see what they want out of a relationship. You can also see the kinds of things 
that make you feel sexy or sensual. This can be kind of hard to pin down sometimes. Not for everyone. For some people, this comes very easily and for others, it doesn't. It doesn't. And part of that is because uh, images of sex and seduction, I mean, they're everywhere in our society, but not everyone feels the same way about sex and seduction. And all of our most famous depictions are all, you know, they're kind of the same. They got the same layout. It's like a template. There's an aggressive partner and a submissive partner. There's some darkness. There's some mystery. There's some nudity. There's some really cool lighting. But I mean, not, <laughs> not everybody's really into this, you know, it's not everybody is into tall, dark and handsome or very sexually aggressive <laughs> or uh, very physical interactions. It might not be your style at all, and that's cool. So sometimes uh, it can be hard to pin down what sex or seduction or sensuality actually means to you and what you want to see. Sometimes we can get disconnected from what it is that we actually want and desire and instead mirror back what we think someone wants from us or what we think is acceptable. So if you've ever slept with someone and you have this feeling like, I think this person learned everything they know about sex from mainstream porn. <laughs> I think this because this has happened to me before. That might not be your style, actually. You might not actually be interested in sex that actually looks like this. Not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just an example. <laughs> but you might not actually be into that. You're doing this because you think this is what sex looks like. So using astrology can be one of the, the fun ways to explore the things that you want um, by yourself or in kind of a safe environment because reading a birth chart is, you know, extremely safe. <laughs> uh, and not everyone can have all of these sexy planets and sexy signs like Scorpio or something. You know, you might be turned off by obvious vulgarity or uh, filthy talk because of your Venus in Virgo, who's very kind of straight laced. Or maybe you're really into like role play and fantasy and you like to kind of go all out like that because of your Mars in Pisces. You know, and that's okay. And the best way for you to get what you want about sex and about love and about relationships and about self-love is that you are getting what fulfills you. And you are finding someone who either echoes that, mirrors that, is willing to explore that with you, or if you're by yourself, it's just another layer of you of who you are. You can also use astrology, and this one's really fun, to identify some of your sexiest or most attractive physical features. And you can find that through your sun sign as well. But your rising sign or your ascendant gives you a picture of the first impression that you make on other people. It's the sign that other people might guess is your sign quite often. Um, a lot of people who don't really click with their sun sign, and I, I know people who have never clicked with their sun sign. A lot of them are Aries. I don't know what's up with that. So, <laughs> But they often find that their rising sign is more accurate because it's, it's just a sign that's much more at the surface. You need your birth time to get your rising sign. Uh, so you might want to call your mom or your hospital or whatever. <laughs> uh, so the rising sign can also indicate the ways people see you or your body or your mannerisms. If you're a Scorpio rising, your eyes 
are your very alluring focal point. And it's the focal point to your whole look. You want that to be very daring. Uh, and black is probably the color you look absolutely best in. And like all black. <laughs> that is because Scorpio is a very like deep, dark, mysterious, and no pun intended here, penetrating kind of sign. It's a very serious, sexy sign. Uh, rising Aquarians are more attractive when they really lean into their weirdness and their uniqueness and their artistic qualities. And they, they really got to let their freak flag fly. It's way more authentic. And it's just people who are looking for someone who's like an Aquarius want to see your Aquarian traits. They want to see that you walk to the beat of your own drummer, you know. So if you have your Aquarius rising, you want to show off with fashion or special features, you know, don't hide your birthmarks or your scars or tattoos or anything that makes you unique, that makes you purely you. Aquarius is all about, <laughs> it's the sign of weirdness. And I mean that with the most affection possible. It's the weirdest sign and I love it for being so weird. So Taurus rising, uh, you might have the kind of sturdy look <laughs> of an earthy type, but with some softer features. So Taurus is associated with Venus, right? And it's very luxurious and it's very comfortable. And it's even a little bit lazy, again, in a nice way. It's more like languid than lazy. Um, so you want to accentuate things like curves, or if you have really soft skin or really soft hair, uh, and be proud of things like your love of food and wine. You know, don't hold yourself back deprivation of pleasure is so not a cute look on you because your love of the finer things in life is something that people notice about you and love about you. Um, you probably am so, are someone who offers advice about food or wine. Talk about that with people. Super cool, right? <laughs> Again, um, Taurus also rules the voice. So if you've got a singing voice, use it. And don't be afraid to talk. People love to talk to you. Pisces rising. This is a fun one. Uh, <laughs> no joke. Pisces rising people tend to have really nice feet. Uh, Pisces in general rules the feet. So Pisces sun, Pisces rising, nice feet. No joke. So give yourself a pedicure. Take a hot bath. Get all that dead skin off. Wash the world off your soles. Always remember if you are doing anything like smudging or smoke cleansing, or you are anointing yourself in any way, always get the bottom of your feet because your feet are, your feet are just <laughs> how you draw magic in and somehow how you send it out. So you want to go barefoot and maybe have cute foot tattoos or foot jewelry. Not joking. It's the best advice I can give you. And all of my Pisces friends, I'm telling you, have really cute feet or wear really cute shoes or wear lots of toe socks. Toe socks and toe shoes. Very popular with the Pisces. <laughs> so you might have noticed while I was rambling uh, that some signs in general have more obviously sexual overtones. Scorpio is considered the most sexual sign of the Zodiac. So if you have a Venus or Mars in Scorpio, you may be more sexually aggressive or maybe sexually assertive. And no doubt you have what you'd consider at least a high sex drive. Other people might comment on it, but it mostly matters what you think. You might also just attract a lot of uh, sexual experience, sexual environment, sexual people to you because it's just, 
it's almost like um like a beacon <laughs> they can sense you so jim morrison of the doors is like the ultimate venus and scorpio symbol he had venus and scorpio and he is a dark and mysterious sex symbol full of depth and pain and art and like dick it's just <laughs> he's very much a very um dark and mysterious kind of sexy sex and sexual pleasure are also very important to venetian scorpios in relationships so if you can't really get together with someone uh in sexual affairs but emotionally you're great you're probably still not going to feel like that relationship is giving you everything you want other signs aren't like that uh, other people in general aren't like that everyone's different right but all Scorpios, whether it's the sun sign or any of these other sexy ones, tend to be more open about sex. They talk about it all the time. They usually have a pretty good sense of humor about it, but in general, they're very, like, dripping type sexy. Other signs, like Capricorn, are highly sexual and sensual, but also very private. It's a sign that likes to keep that stuff to themselves. They kind of like to go with the the status quo a little bit. They like to fit in. So they are secret freaks and swingers <laughs> instead of being out in the open. On the flip side to that, you have our wonderful weird Aquarius, which is a sign that no doubt like appears or sounds very into really wild and interesting and like otherworldly sex all the time. But lots of Aquarius would rather think about it <laughs> or make art about it, or use it as inspiration than actually do it. The sex they do have is usually just as spiritual and weird and artistic and quixotic as they are, but they just might, you know, be too busy doing their own really cool, wacky thing to actually get into bed very often. <laughs> That's I love Aquarius. They're so cool. Uh, a fire sign like Sagittarius is very, like, attractive and sparkly and fiery and people want to be around them. You know, they're kind of the life of the party. But sex usually requires that feeling of spark with somebody else. You know, it's, they're not really into a slow, comfortable situation. They kind of want to go in hot heavy. <laughs> uh, it also tends to be heavy on the physical and high energy acts, like actual intercourse versus uh, some more kind of chill foreplay. Jim Morrison again comes up here <laughs> because his son is in Sagittarius. And that explains, you know, even more of the attraction and the fire and the heat and the lizards and shit. <laughs> so he's got this deep, dark, oozing Scorpio sexuality underneath basically a whole pile of sexy firecrackers. It's really, it's really he was a really interesting douchebag, honestly. Super cool. Not always cool, though. Uh, a Pisces lover, and I don't mean to make fun of Pisces. They're just, they're so great. They like to have sex in water. And that sounds lame. And <laughs> it sounds like a cop out. But just let me, you know, just let me run you down a quick list of somebody with a very Piscean taste in romance is all about. Okay. <clears throat> Number one, pina coladas. Number two, getting caught in the rain. Number three, the feel of the ocean. Number four, the taste of champagne. And you guessed it, number five is making love at midnight in the dunes of a cape. <laughs> and 
if that sounds familiar, it's because it's the Pina Colada song by Rupert, Rupert Holmes. And you know I already looked it up, and you know he's a Pisces. That is the most Pisces thing I've ever heard in my entire life. There is fantasy, there is ocean, there is spooky midnight stuff, and there is a little bit of, like, still fluid indulgence. You know, you've still got the pina coladas and the champagne, which are very um, bubbly. <laughs> very bubbly. Still very much bringing in that water element. Um, I cracked up. I was, I was, when I was writing this out, I was like, what kind of things are Pisces into? And instantly the song started playing in my head. And before I even hit send at Google, I knew it was going to tell me he was a Pisces. Amazing. I love that. So if you are a Pisces <laughs> and you really want to get in the mood, check out the Pina Colada song. I'm sure you've heard it 800 million times, but, you know, visit it again. <laughs> so in our chart, you know, right alongside all of these actual major planets, we also have things like asteroids and just particular points in space that provide insight using astrology into some very specific details of our personality. Not all birth charts will show this stuff. Some are a little bit more popular than others. Some you have to specifically ask. But in general, if you type in, you know, what is my blah, blah, blah sign into Google, you can probably find a few websites and use that same website to look it all up. But you can find some that will explain it in a way that makes sense to you. So the first one is Lilith. Lilith I have mentioned before, and this shows us some of the things that lurk in the dark or kind of hidden depths of our subconscious. So here you might find hints about hidden sexual desires or kinky stuff or fetishes, and it could even be like fears surrounding sexuality or that affect how you present yourself sexually. So the stuff in your little sign might be incredibly personal. It might not be something you want to share. I don't love what I'm about to share. As soon as I wrote it out, I, I was going to erase it, but I'm going to go for it. So <laughs> so my little sign is in Cancer, which is the sign of the zodiac that is most associated with motherhood. I definitely would say that I have an aversion to, if not outright fear, of motherhood. <laughs> uh, this absolutely affected how I've had sex my whole life, right? Because protection is very important to me. And I'm very turned off by anything resembling mothering. And I'm not even getting into any sort of fetish or kink stuff. I just, I like someone who is very confident in themselves, pretty comfortable, and really doesn't need me to hold their hand. Whenever I've ended up in relationships with someone like that, where I realize, oh no, <laughs> they really need me to do this very simple thing. I can totally maintain an emotional connection and I can have great love and affection with that person. I can even stay in a relationship for quite a while, but I am so uninterested sexually right away and forever. <laughs> it's very like, it's, it's very black and white there. So other people with this placement, if your Lilith is in Cancer, you might feel kind of the opposite and you love the feeling of nurturing someone else. You love being in charge or maybe you like, you know, slightly younger partners that are looking for sexual guidance or, you know, people that have been doing things completely differently. Uh, it could also mean that you are very turned on by the idea of motherhood and 
that's your choice. <laughs> I obviously can't even think about that. Uh, oh my gosh, my throat. <laughs> it's like closing up. I definitely say aversion slash fear to motherhood. So moving on. Uh, Juno is another asteroid and Juno's named after the wife of Jupiter, Zeus, in mythology and was the patron goddess of marriage and childbirth. She was kind of you know, the model of the ideal wife at the time. And she ruled over all things like marriage and, and wifely concerns. <laughs> so while Venus and Mars show us what we like in dating and sex and pleasure and kind of the fun parts of relationships or the fun kinds of relationships, I guess, Juno can show us a little bit about that more serious avenue that if we are someone who is looking to spend forever with a single person, or with a partner or whatever, um, Juno shows us who the perfect person to create a long life with would be. If you're getting married, Juno shows you what kind of person you should probably marry <laughs> to feel the most uh, fulfilled. Doesn't mean you have to, but, you know, it's a recommendation. So, for example, if Juno is in the sign of Gemini in your chart, you'll do best with somebody who always says the right thing, always says it at the right time, and is always willing to work on communication with you. Very cool. If Juno's in Capricorn, you'd really dig growing old with somebody who challenges you and who is full of courage. So you want someone who can be a mentor and also a cheerleader for you. They're very supportive. If Juno's in Libra, these partners are all about beauty. They're probably beautiful people in general, but <laughs> outer beauty, inner beauty, uh, beautiful works of art or places or gestures, you know, you're going to be going to the show or you're going to be going to the museum. You're going to be looking at beautiful things. They love to show you the beauty of every single day. So where all of these planets and asteroids appear in your chart, that's called falling into houses of the chart. And these can also tell you a little bit about what you want out of relationships or what you contribute to them. Now, there's 12 houses, <laughs> and really all of them could tell you a little bit about um, how you work in relationships, because love and relationships and family, it's, it's a big part of our human experience, right? But there are a few, again, that are a little more specific. So the fifth house is the house of love and pleasure and children. This one can tell you a little bit about the things that make you happy and the happy experiences of love, like happy first dates or casual relationships, and of course, the children. The seventh house is the house of partnerships. So this is serious one-on-one -on -one partnerships, like marriage or business partners. The eighth house is really cool and spooky. <laughs> Guess what sign it's associated with? It's Scorpio. Uh, it's the house of death and rebirth, sex and physical relationships, joint resources and taxes, of course, and the occult. <laughs> Very fun. If you are not someone that engages in romantic or sexual relationships, the 11th house is your house of friendships. And for many of us, our friends are our family. And a lot of us even, you know, we enter into relationships with our friends. So if you are someone who very much cares about your relationships with people, but you're not doing it in a sexual or romantic way, check with the 11th house. So your eighth house, let's say Venus is in your eighth house. You've got Venus, which is your sign of, you know, like seduction and sexual aesthetic in this very 
dark and spooky, sexy house. No matter what kind of sign Venus is in in that point, whether it's a super sexual or a not so sexual sign, you may still find that love and sex and attraction and physical intimacy are very important to you. If Venus or Mars appears in that 11th house, like I said, the house of friendship, you may find that you're a person who loves being in groups. You actually prefer to have friends and lots of friends over lovers or relationships in general. You might end up dating a lot of your friends <laughs> if you end up dating, or you may be someone who finds more sexual satisfaction by having multiple partners, either, you know, spaced out over time or simultaneously. Again, your choice, and I respect it either way. So isn't that neat? <laughs> I, I, gosh, I'm just so obsessed with astrology. I've really got a, at the end of February, um, you know, I'm going to be focusing on things other than astrology, and I already feel like I'm going to miss it. I'm so obsessed. <laughs> so if you're getting bored of astrology, don't worry. So this is really cool stuff. When my friend brought over a copy of Sextrology, I thought it was just going to be kind of funny, <laughs> kind of nothing. But I have learned so much interesting stuff about myself just by reading a little bit about what my sun sign means about sex and then going, huh, I wonder what there else is lurking in there. I figured out through my little lists there that almost everyone, everyone, that I am physically attracted to has their son in a fire sign. Like all the hot guy celebrities that are like, are all Aries or Scorpio. It's just bizarre. But when I look at the, the list of past relationships, I was not very emotionally or mentally compatible with any of those fire signs. <laughs> they were all pretty hot though. I am also kind of oddly and surprisingly fascinated with Pisces. I didn't realize that until recently. There's a lot of secret Pisces popping up in my chart and all of this stuff. But I also kind of blame Kurt Cobain for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, at 14, he was the love of my life. And uh, he's a Pisces, and I guess it stuck with me. Maybe. Uh, and as I said earlier, I've never really been into Earth signs. But the two whole times <laughs> that I, you know, fucked with an Earth sign, one was a very serious romantic relationship, and one was a very close friendship with sexual overtones. Uh, but both times it was a very big deal and our connection or relationship or whatever lasted way longer than any others. I never noticed before. I also noticed that almost every platonic friendship with men that I've, I've had like throughout my life, <laughs> all the ones I've looked at, almost all of them are Libras. <laughs> and the one Libra that I kind of dated. We were just, we were just really good friends, really. It, that's why it didn't go anywhere. I had no idea. You know, I just, I feel so comfortable around these Libra guys. I also have a lot of female Libra friends and I've had a lot of Libra lady bosses and stuff like that. It's just, I guess I just like them. <laughs> I guess so. So now I know instead of, you know, tapping into my weird Venus and Scorpio web there, instead of dragging some sort of, you know, Sagittarius up in there that I'm just going to end up hating in a month, <laughs> but who is very great looking. I should just find myself a Pisces with thick, dark eyebrows, because that's what I like about all those fire signs. Uh, and they're Mars in like a less aggressive sign. <laughs> also, I've learned that as a Scorpio rising, I really need 
to make sure that my eyeliner is like sharp, sharp and black. And since I, <laughs> since I've been making sure to line my eyes more, I just like, I feel it. It's like a superpower. I totally feel it. So, <laughs> so I definitely recommend looking this stuff up. Find out what your sexy features are. If you're new to astrology or um, you only know the basics, all of this probably sounds like a lot. And that's because it is, like I said in the other astrology episodes, if it sounds like a lot of stuff and it feels overwhelming, it's because it's a lot of stuff and it's kind of overwhelming. But you can absolutely start with your sun sign and you can even find pretty specific info considering that it's the sun sign about love and sex. And that's where the book Sextrology by Starsky and Cox comes in. So this book, uh, Sextrology, The Astrology of Sex and the Sexes, was actually put out in 2011. I'll look at it right now. Uh, first Collins edition published in 2005, copyright 2004. Wow, even earlier than I thought. So this book is not brand new. <laughs> and yet, when I asked around to a lot of people who are into this particular branch of astrology, they referred to this book as the Bible. <laughs> and multiple people did across different social media platforms. It really made me laugh. And they call it that because it is disturbingly accurate. Disturbingly. So <laughs> my friend uh, lent it to me. And uh, we thought it would be fun to just kind of, you know, go through it, have a little fun. And while I was reading it, I felt like I was blushing, like this motherfucker from my diary. I was like upset, you know, who talked? It was just so absolutely on the nose in really good and, you know, kind of awful ways. It's great. So it's kind of an encyclopedic book. You know, each chapter is divided into two and it's, each sign. So there's Capricorn woman and Capricorn man. As I said, it sticks to the binary, but within each of these chapters, it'll tell you Capricorns that are in relationships with men or women and, you know, Capricorn men that are in relationships with men or women. So still kind of limited, but a little less limited some other things. The chapters are actually fairly long and they don't just talk about like you know, there is a little list of your turn-ons, but it's not all that. So it goes through um, what the sign of Capricorn is and, and the effect that that has on your mind and, and how you think and a little bit about how you communicate. And then it talks about your body and your soul. So it goes over some of those physical attributes that I talked about and the kinds of things that enrich your soul or that you are looking for in a deep connection. And then it comes to sex and sexuality. And this is where you get into really fun stuff. Like it gives you, you know, famous Capricorns and it gives you your list of turn-ons and your body rulership. Super fun. Uh, and like I said, it does talk about uh, gay and bisexual relationships as well. So you can read this book and only read your sign. And that's totally cool. In reading your sign, you'll get all of that stuff. And it's not a small amount of information. It's real reading. And in the margins, you also have stuff like your list of turn-ons. Body rulership, the sign of Capricorn, rules the bones and the skeleton, as well as the knees and the skin. I have trouble knees. I wonder if that's why. You've got your list of famous Capricorn women here. What do I got? I've got Joan of Arc, uh, Annie Lennox, Odetta. Oh, amazing. Janis Joplin and Patti Smith, my girls. Sade, amazing. Mary J. Blige, Francoise Hardy. 
Dolly Parton. Love that. Uh, it also talks about the keywords associated with Capricorn. So we have stuff like endurance and capriciousness and religion and promotion, qualification, tradition, faith, organization. And it also talks to you about the 10th astrological house, which is ruled by Capricorn. And it's your house of things like um, your work and your ambition. And it can be how you make money, stuff like that. Capricorn is a very hard working sign. It also talks to you a little bit about myths concerning the sign. So archetypes and myths, the archetype associated with Capricorn is the grandmother or the mother of the gods. The, class the classical term Aegean means of the goat. Anon to the Titan Queen of the Gods, Rhea, in her animal totem form. Very cool. And goes through other things like the Bible and literature. Talks about Midsummer Night's Dream. Isn't that cute? So what you get from this book is a really disturbingly accurate overview of who you are and the kinds of things that you are interested in sexually. And that is only the beginning because what's real fun <laughs> is reading the signs of other people that you know, whether you've had sex with them or not. So <laughs> in reading the book, um, you can find out more about your partner if you have one or about the kinds of partners that you've had in the past. Like I said, I made myself out a list and I was looking through it and using this to kind of check on some of those signs. And I saw like little clues about why certain things went great or why certain things didn't so go so great, why they were attracted to me so much and why I was attracted to them. It's really, really interesting. And it offers a little bit of insight. You know, I don't know. It seems like no one else I know is single. And then, <laughs> but I know that there are single people out there. Sometimes it feels like I have no idea what I want in a romantic or sexual partner. Like no idea. I can't think of what any of them had in common or there's no common themes of why I was attracted to them except that, you know, they were nice to me and I thought they were cute and I enjoyed spending time with them and then things just went on from there. <laughs> so in looking through this, I was able to find some common threads through the astrology. It also gave a really nice and well-rounded view of Capricorn. And this is important, even if you're not a Capricorn. Capricorn, I feel, is the least understood sign in the zodiac. As I said, uh, Capricorn is a very sexual and sensual sign. They're just not very in your face or open about it. But it's a very like earthy and kind of carnal sign. It's a very, it's a sign associated with women usually, but it's it's a very carnal kind of sign. So a lot of Capricorns that I know are very sexual people or they have a lot of sexual experiences or they have really, really cool relationships. Like they just, they don't seem like the typical Capricorn in these horoscopes who goes to work every day and never thinks about relationships and has no emotions and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Instead, in the book, it gives you this really great glimpse at, um, how Capricorn works with uh, creativity. Capricorns are a surprisingly creative, a creative sign. It also talks a little bit about Capricorns feel about families, about relationships, about uh, public displays of affection. And it makes it clear, it highlights all of the positive stuff about Capricorn that I really like. And in reading some of the other signs, they do the same thing all the way through without kind of letting you off the hook. If you are of a sign that is a little bit more aggressive, 
has a tendency to get mean, they will tell you about that in here. And they will tell you ways that that could be great <laughs> in sexy times and ways that that can damage some of your relationships or damage the way you look at relationships or the way people look at you. So it's a really interesting book. Um, four out of five crystal balls. <laughs> uh, if only because it's from 2004 and it doesn't quite fulfill all of the like check marks for being, you know, uh, I guess like sexually and genderly diverse. Um, there's some stuff missing, right? But I bet if there was a newer version of uh, this book, that it would include a lot more about queer relationships because they are very serious about... It's obvious that they actually talk to people in different sexual communities. You know what I mean? Like there are communities for people who are into certain fetishes or communities for people who are into certain sexual or romantic lifestyles. And it's clear that they actually are in contact with these communities and these subcultures and this lifestyle because the way they talk about them is very knowledgeable and in the know. And like, like when you're on vacation and you ask a local a question, <laughs> a real local, the answer you get from them is going to be so much different than you get from, you know, someone from the outside. And that's how I feel about this book. Um, every section is also very different. So even signs that, you know, say they have a similar turn on, it's not worded exactly the same in both chapters because both signs even approach that very specific thing differently. And I thought that that was really, really cool. It just, it made my sun sign mean so much more. And not just with sex and relationships. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in there, like about how you work and how you express creativity and your relationships with friends and family and your body and health and all of that kind of stuff. So it made my sun sign mean a lot more than just those tiny little horoscope blurbs that, you know, used to be in this extinct thing called newspapers. So I highly recommend it. Um, if it sounds like it's for you, and if it sounds like it will appeal to the way that you love or the way that you have sex or the way you approach relationships and romance. I would love it if you check it out and if you'd let me know <laughs> if there's something missing, if there's not enough that applies to you because of your sexuality or your gender presentation and you feel like I totally missed it, I would love it if you'd let me know. I'm still learning. I love to learn new things. <sighs> Maybe I should buy myself a Gemini. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. So that is our show for today for our Valentine's Day. 2019. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, as I said, astrology will be moving out a little bit soon as we approach the springtime. I'm going to start learning more about psychic development. So developing other psychic skills and other skills of divination. But before I do that, of course, I've got to get in one last bit of astrology and space magic. So later this month, my next podcast episode will be on all sorts of spacey type magic. So we'll talk more about these goddess asteroids and the, the stories and the mythology behind them. I will talk about magic rocks from out of space, outer space, like tektite and meteorite 
and Libyan glass, really cool stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about what kind of magic you can do with stars and with space. And uh, it's going to be a very fun episode. I love space. <laughs> I'm wearing my NASA t-shirt right now. So thank you so much for listening to the Fat Feminist Witch podcast. If you want to support the show, of course, you can share it with your friends. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can like me on Facebook. You can leave a review. All of that stuff is really great. If you want to financially support me, you can do that on my website, thefatfeministwitch.wordpress.com. And you can click buy me a coffee to make a small one-time donation. Or you can go to patreon.com slash thefatfeministwitch and join the monthly Witch and Bitch program, which is 10 bucks, and it gets you into the private membership group where we do live chats and stuff like that. You can also, if you are a witchy creator or retailer, you can go to advertisecast.thefatfeminist.com slash thefatfeministwitch and work with me on an ad on my show. You can advertise here on the Fat Feminist Witch. I hope you all have a wonderful Valentine's Day and a wonderful Valentine's weekend because I'm sure not everybody is able to do something today and that you find some ways this weekend to just enjoy love, <laughs> enjoy love and sexuality. Like even if that's watching a movie or a TV show that you, you really like about those topics, even if it's spending time by yourself, even if it's showering yourself with gifts and eating bonbons and laying in the tub, I love it and I respect it and it's totally fantastic. I think love is fun. It's cheesy, but that's what makes it most fun. <laughs> Have a wonderful Valentine's weekend, everybody. <laughs>